This is Listen Lakeland, the show that keeps you up to date on all the things that make our city a great place to live, work, and play. Today's host is a native Floridian and a graduate of Troy University and Florida State University with 35 years of experience working in state government, including eight years at Florida Polytechnic University. He's on the board of directors for the Lakeland Rotary Club and Lakeland Vision. Please welcome your host, Rick Maxey. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Rick Maxey, and it's great to be hosting this month's episode of This in Lakeland. This show is an extension of Lakeland Vision, which for over two decades has been a voice for citizens of Lakeland, working with community stakeholders to create a bright future for our city. Today on Listen Lakeland, we have with us Terry Coney, and Terry is president of the NAACP Lakeland chapter, uh, is a native of Lakeland, attended Polk County Public Schools. He was a graduate of FAMU in economics and has a master's degree in aeronautical science from Embry-Riddle. He retired from the Air Force as a lieutenant colonel after 22 years, and Terry, we want to thank you for that sacrifice and service to our nation. You're very welcome. Uh, So let's talk NAACP. Can you tell us about the NAACP, its mission, and what it's doing here in the city of Lakeland? Okay, the mission of the NAACP, or the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, is to secure the political, educational, social, and economic equality of rights in order to eliminate race-based discrimination and to ensure the health and well-being of all persons. And if I step back just a second to to give a brief history of the organization, the organization was actually founded or started in February of 1909. And that first meeting was actually centered around the birthday of Abraham Lincoln. But, and I'll step back just a little farther, just to bring you update with three important, actually four important uh, uh, constitutional amendments and three before the start of the NAACP and then one after. First, you have the 13th Amendment that ended slavery in 1865. Then you had the 14th Amendment, which is, which is extremely important, and, and I'll go back and forth to it. But the 14th Amendment gave citizenship to all citizens born in the United States. Plus, it also gave them something very important called uh, equal, equal justice under the law. Uh, equal protections under the law. And then you had the 15th Amendment that was uh, ratified in uh, 1868, which gave the right of all men at that time the right to vote. Well, after the Civil War, we had Reconstruction, and then Reconstruction ended right around 1878, and that led to... Jim Crow laws and segregation coming in place. And finally, in 18, not finally, but in 1896, you had Percy versus Ferguson that was passed. Uh, there was a Supreme Court case. And Percy versus Ferguson basically established, made separate but equal legal. So you had, there was a, uh, actually the first coup in the United States when you had the the overthrowing of uh, municipal municipal government in Wilmington, North Carolina. And then in 1908, 
there was a race riot in Springfield, Illinois. So there are several people uh, on the Northeast in Chicago uh, actually formed uh, also, which included Mr. W.B. Du Bois and uh, Ida B. Wells and uh, Miss Linda Church Terrell. And they were the three African-Americans that took part in it. But the mission of that is centered around the mission, but it was basically to ensure that all people, just like in the preamble to the Constitution says, we the people in order to form a more perfect government, they were coming together to make sure that all people were represented, represented at that time. So moving forward, NWCP participated in, uh, legally in several important cases that led up to Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, there was a uh, there was actually a case in uh, around 1926 where a former governor of North Carolina was being. Uh, uh, nominated for the Supreme Court as Supreme Court judge. Well, the NAACP actually took a very active role in making sure that he was denied that nomination because when he was running for governor, he openly stated that, you know, he thought, you know, blacks, African Americans were inferior to whites and should always be uh, treated that way. So with the NAAC's push and several other organizations and a call in to senators that that nomination was actually denied 41 to 39. And then there was a case in uh, uh, Virginia that went to the Supreme Court uh, that had to do with uh, interstate seat, no, uh, seating on the bus and uh, blacks not being able to sit where they wanted to. And most people think of uh, Rosa Parks, but this case in Virginia was actually the, the first case where it actually went to the Supreme Court and Supreme Court ruled Virginia's uh, law on seating on the interstate busing uh, unconstitutional. Then there was a case in, uh, in the late 40s in the city of St. Louis that really broke up uh, what was the start of breaking up restricted covenants on where people could live based on race, which the Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional based on, again, going back to the 14th Amendment, equal protections under the law. And then there were several cases in education, uh, one in Missouri, one in Oklahoma, and one in Texas, the one in Oklahoma in, in Missouri, uh, which actually was uh, the decision on it came down the same time as Brown versus Board, but you had a gentleman uh, in Missouri that wanted to go to law school, and there wasn't a black school, a black law school in the state of Missouri. So rather than allow this gentleman the opportunity to go to the University of Missouri's law school, because they had rules or laws under separate but equal that a black student wasn't allowed to do that, they were willing to pay this young man to go to a law school out of state. He refused the money. Uh, the case made it all the way to the Supreme Court. 
And the Supreme Court basically ruled that under his, again, 14th Amendment, equal protections of the law, they could not deny him the opportunity to go to the University of Missouri's law school. And it didn't fall in a separate but equal because the, uh, the state of Missouri didn't have a black law school of equal status with, uh, with the University of Missouri's law school. And the same thing happened in the, in, in the case in Oklahoma. A gentleman had his master's in education and he was trying to, uh, excuse me, trying to get a PhD in education. And the uh, University of Oklahoma didn't want to admit him. So, and again, all that falls under, you know, it shows the importance of the 14th Amendment and Brown versus Board. Now, one of the key players in this whole strategy of equal protections under the law and proving Plessy versus Ferguson unconstitutional because separate can uh, never be considered equal was a gentleman named Charles Hamilton Houston, who was a former uh, dean of the, the, the dean of the Howard University Law School. He was actually a professor of uh, Thurgood Marshall, and he brought Thurgood Marshall in uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund. In fact, Mr. Charles Hamilton Houston was the first director of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. So after those cases, it, it, you went to uh, Brown versus Boyd, in 1954, which all these other cases I, I mentioned previously were setting up to get to Brown and under the same pretense as the 14th Amendment that separate but equal is not equal and does not allow equal protections under the law based on the 14th Amendment. Now, the 15th Amendment, which gave men, all men, the right to vote, uh, which after Reconstruction, uh, roadblocks started being put up for black men. And then and in 1919, you had the 19th Amendment that was uh, passed giving women the right to vote. So that should have taken care of the entire citizenry of the United States, giving them the right to vote. But we, know, we all know that's not true. So again, uh, we moved forward after Brown versus Board. Then we had the next fight was uh, equal opportunities in accommodations and in voting and then in education. And, and NAACP had an important role in all of that, especially from a legal standpoint. So that's kind of a quick overview in the history. Uh, so let me ask you a question because mm -hmm. um, you've laid out some really historic and important moments that the NAACP was involved in. Um, there are some saying that the, that history isn't applicable today. So what is the role of the NAACP in today's society? That, that's a great question, Rick, because I'm, I'm constantly asked on the relevance of the NAACP in 2021. And I, I, I go back, you, you can't speak of moving forward without understanding the history. Uh, my son asked me an interesting question a few weeks ago. If we had the, the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment and the 15th Amendment, why did we need the 1964 Civil Rights Act and why did we need the 1965 Voting Rights Act? Well, because 
even though you had these these constitutional amendments, the states basically had the right to set their rules in 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 voting and accommodations. So what the nineteen sixty four Civil Rights Bill did, it gave the federal government control over states stating that they couldn't discriminate based on race, religion, uh, sex, or, or anything on, along those lines. And then the 1965 Voting Rights Act basically stated that states couldn't put up barriers hindering the right to vote. Now, as we move forward, in uh, 2021, after our past election, oh, actually, I, I, I won't go back that far around. I, I'll start in what, 2012, 2013. There was a civil rights opinion, uh, Holder uh, versus Shelby. And Shelby County is a county in, in the state of Alabama. And that Supreme Court decision basically knocked down some of the basic tenets of 1965 Voting Rights Act, which stated that if a state or voting district fell in certain areas that historically had hindered the right to vote of people, then any changes they made it made to their voting regulations, it had to be be uh, presented to the to the to the to the government or to the Justice Department for approval. Well, the Supreme Court in, in Holder versus uh, Shelby decided that those stipulations were unconstitutional and uh, said they couldn't be held up anymore. And since then, you've had several states that have made an attempt to start restricting voting rights again. Now, uh, in the last six months, we've seen things come down un under the guise of uh, securing, making our elections more secure. But in the same vein, from both from the federal level and state level, especially in the state of Florida, we had a governor that said we had the most secure election in the history of the state. But then we need to do add more restrictions to voting. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the opinion that voting should be easier, not more difficult. And there's there's never really been any proof that there's any been any significant amount of fraud to uh, affect an election. So in today's time, our relevancy is uh, making sure everybody that wants to vote gets the opportunity to vote with and ease and sim simplicity that it should be and not with the difficulty. So here in Lakeland, because uh, you painted a pretty broad backdrop mm -hmm. for uh, voting rights and, and equal opportunity, here in Lakeland, what's the climate like? Since I've taken position as president of the uh, NAACP uh, Lakeland branch, I've tried to reach out city commissioners, uh, city leaders and I found people to be pretty uh, pretty accepting uh, I, I've always been a person to uh, uh, you try to seek 
seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Uh, quoting Mr. Stephen Covey in Seven Habits. So some of the things that we've done in, in that vein, we had a, a, a forum in April called the State of Black Lakeland because I felt like to help uh, be a, a leader in, in the city, the city, the black community, and, and a leader for all people in Lakeland, we need, needed to understand the issues. Uh, I'm, I'm not, never going to say I, I know or understand it, stand everything that's going on and all the problems. So we, we had a forum of uh, some key players in the city, and that started the dialogue and conversation. Uh, we had a education is a big thing. That's that's part of uh, our mission statement, ensuring quality education. Uh, and and Polk County has been a county that that's uh, Polk County public schools have lagged behind uh, over the last fifty or more years. They've been in that probably bottom ten of sixty seven counties. Uh, I think we just in the last five years got out of the cellar of that bottom 10, but there's still a long ways to go. And when you, when you look at the quality or the lack of equality of the school system, that's not just affecting black kids, that's affecting all our kids. Now I think our school system of Polk County schools, have, they have a lot of good things to offer and going, but I don't think all parents and kids are getting the information. So think it's incumbent upon our new superintendent, our superintendent, our uh, all school board members, and, and all parents, citizens in, in, in the uh, county to uh, work toward making Polk County public schools, not that bottom 10 or that, that lower third, but why not the top 25? Why not the top 10? And figure out what ways, how do we get to be in that top 25% or that top 10%? Okay, so you've laid out a pretty significant issue. Mm-hmm. So what is the NAACP doing to help resolve that? Well, we've, our, we had a forum in May to engage uh, some of the private and charter schools in the area because it, it appears that you're having more and more come in to the area of being approved by Polk County Public Schools to come in the area. So if these different schools are coming in, and historically, uh, the community or most of us have, have thought of public school systems as the primary way of educating our kids. If there's other ways, other schools coming in outside of the public school realm, and, and I would just call them maybe not a non-traditional schools. Well, parents need to understand what their options are. You know, there's a phrase that goes around uh, schools of choice. Uh, parents need to have choice. Should that be at the expense of the, of the public school system? Or when we say schools of choice, does that mean that they can kids can bounce around at any school in the public school system? I'm not sure yet. Those are questions we're trying, trying to find out. But even in the public school system, and if we're saying that kids' parents should have choice in the public school system, I think the goal at some point in time in the past we thought was 
that all our schools in, our, in the public school systems were good schools. So if a kid went to the closest school in his neighborhood, then in Lakeland, his quality of education should be as good as a kid in Bartow or Winnehaven going to that local high school or closest school. But it appears that that's not the case based on uh, how some education, educators or education administrators think. So that's, that's an issue that needs to be resolved or needs to be explored farther. And, and have you had these kinds of conversations with our new uh, school superintendent uh, to talk about what we do to improve the schools for all of our kids? Well, we actually have a we actually have a session set up on August 25th at 4 p.m. with the uh, new superintendent and uh, his staff to uh, have a conversation on his thoughts on quality education, improving the quality of education in Polk County, looking at the diversity of uh, the staff of the teachers, uh, what they are doing to get uh, the classrooms. 100% full with qualified teachers. Uh, this past election, not election, past uh, graduation season, I remember reading uh, an article about a young lady, I think she was a salutatorian at Turner Rock High School, and she stated the math teacher, she didn't have a permanent math teacher her entire senior year. You know, that that's something that it, it, it mentally affects kids, and, 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 and it's it's a hindrance to quality education. So those are questions that we'll be asking. Okay, and let's, let's shift just a little bit. Uh, okay. Because I don't know how we can have this conversation without talking about a major back backdrop across the country, and that's discussions on race and racism. Uh, there are arguments that uh, racism is not a big issue in the country and that there's no such thing as institutional racism and I'd like to get your view on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, we'll go back again to the 14th Amendment and equal justice under, under the law, uh, equal protection under the law. And I, I've already gone through uh, Plessy versus Ferguson uh, constitutionally making uh, separate but equal, equal. And we've talked about that separate but equal cannot be equal. So when there were laws put in place uh, segregating transportation, which the Supreme Court knocked down, well, that, that, that was a law that was in place to separate the races. So that was structurally in the law of the state of Virginia. When in St. Louis, where when they had housing codes to keep blacks and whites separated, that's structurally in their system. When the states of Missouri and Oklahoma and Texas, just to name a few, because they weren't the only ones, because in Maryland they went through the same thing instead of it going to the uh, United States Supreme Court. That case went to the Maryland Supreme Court because Maryland didn't have a, a black law school for a student that wanted to go to law school. So that student had to be allowed to go 
to the University of Maryland's law school. And I bring it back to Lakeland. When growing up as a kid, I didn't think about it at the time, but there are prominent blacks that lived in my neighborhood in certain sections. One, uh, Mr. John Jackson, who was one, if not the first, one of the first city commissioners in the city of Lakeland. Well, he lived two blocks away from me, and I remember his house very distinctly because his, one of his daughters was uh, my age, and he was the first black person I knew in the, in the mid-60s in, in the city of Lakeland that had a swimming pool. Now, this gentleman could have, should have, could have, and should have been able to live anywhere he wanted to in Lakeland, but he couldn't. I mean, you know, you, you grew up not far from him. I'm sure you're used to the term across the tracks. So uh, there was an article, a series of articles that ran in, in, in the ledger back in uh, September of 2020. It was called uh, Blacks and Polk. And in one of the, the articles, it, it, it even stated uh, that around 1937, there were actually rules in, in the, in, for Lakeland City government that, that spelled out the uh, boundaries for the black community uh, west of Florida Avenue, uh, I think east of Kathleen Road or Providence Road. So when, when, when you have laws on the books that stipulate where people can live, you know, uh, riding on, on city transit, you know, all, all that's entrenched and that's, that's structural there. Okay. Pretty good discussion about what some of the issues are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, can you talk to us about what the NAACP is engaged in to help our community come together uh, to be more diverse and inclusive and be more equitable in how we treat people and, and each other? Well, some of the things we have in mind, and COVID has kind of made us uh, kind of vary or put off some things that we, we want to do, but one thing that we've, you know, we have a very active veteran community in Lakeland, black and white. And African-American veterans have been some, somewhat hesitant to engage with uh, the larger population of veterans in the county. So I'm, I'm working with the Polk County Ver- Veterans Coalition to kind of pull people together. There's a, in October, we're planning what's called a veteran stand down. And it's going to currently plan to be at the uh, Dream Center on Fifth Street and to bring all the veterans together to help them with their services, uh, make sure they have proper ID card, make sure they're getting proper uh, medical services, taking care, taking advantage of the uh, services that they should be getting as, as veterans. So, and that's not just for African-American veterans, that's for all the veterans in the city. We had a... Memorial Day service uh, back in May on Lake Morton at the Buffalo Soldier uh, marker uh, to celebrate not only Buffalo Soldiers being in Lakeland, but in 1898 you had a complete, uh, Lakeland was used as a staging area going to the, uh, uh, for the Spanish-American War and they were selling out of Tampa. Well, on Lake Wire, Lake Morton, Lake Hunter, Lake Beulah, there's regiments on, on all of those lakes. So there, there's been a short film done on all that, and that's history of the city. And then finally, we're looking at uh, maybe later in, the, well, later in the year, trying to do some type of joint religious service or gathering of people to uh, bring everybody together in the city. 
Well, that, that sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, Terry, it's been a joy talking to you and uh, learned a little bit more about the NAACP and its history and how it has worked and continues to work to make sure all people uh, are have an opportunity to participate fully in our democracy and in this great country of ours. So um, any final comments for about 15, 20 seconds? Uh, just, just again, the, the NAACP, National Association of Advancement of Colored People, uh, those last three letters, advancement of colored people, that, that's, that's our goal. And that doesn't, when it says advancement of colored people, it doesn't just mean black and brown people. We, we mean all people, anybody that's, that's suffering or in poverty or uh, at a disadvantage uh, educationally, all of it across the board. Well, thank you very much, Terry Coney, president of the NAACP Lakeland Branch, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Listen Lakeland. Your feedback is valued, and we encourage you to head over to www.lakelandvision.org to participate in our monthly survey related to today's show topic. Thank you once again for listening to Listen Lakeland. And one more time, if you'd like to give your feedback on today's show topic, go over to lakelandvision.org and participate in our monthly survey. Listen Lakeland is brought to you as a collaborative project between Lakeland Vision, the City of Lakeland, and Hall Communications, a community working together to keep you informed on the many things that make Lakeland such an amazing city. Thank you for being with us.